Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. So the Oilers have called up Yessi Puglia-Yarvi from the Bakersfield Condors. I would expect him to be on a line with Lucic and Nugent Hopkins tomorrow. Anton Slepeshev placed on injured reserve. The Oilers play the Rangers tomorrow morning, 11 o'clock start Mountain Time. We'll have it for you on 6.30, Ched, with coverage commencing at 9.30 in the morning. Sunday, playoff football. Eskimos at Blue Bombers, Doug Brown played for the Bombers. He's now the analyst for the team's broadcast on our sister station, CJOB. Doug, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Well, I'm driving through a snowstorm right now in Winnipeg, but I'm doing okay uh, in spite of the environmental conditions. All right. Well, I think the weather's supposed to be okay for uh, – uh, Dave was telling me, I think, minus minus three and probably a decent uh, – decent weather day Sunday in Winnipeg so the snow it sounds like the snow is not going to stick around right yeah I mean it's it's pretty bad right now it's minus 10 with a significant wind chill but by Sunday uh, things will definitely clear up supposed to be sunny skies and a little bit of a warmer temperature so unfortunately I think uh, you know the best thing that could happen for Winnipeg is for it to be as miserable as possible but uh, you know they may actually be able to throw the football so who knows oh that doesn't no, that doesn't sound very optimistic from a former blue bomber who now covers the blue bombers don't don't tell me you're favoring the Eskimos in this game duck <laughs> Well, you know, uh, I've uh, I was there for uh, for both prior matchups that uh, that Winnipeg won, and uh, I would probably pick Winnipeg um, if I could be convinced or told that Matt Nichols would be 100% in the game. Um, he hasn't really; he's practiced sporadically. Uh, this week, uh, he had a he had a kid. Actually, uh, his his wife gave birth to their second uh, daughter uh, today, I believe. So he missed another practice, and uh, obviously he's uh, you know it, it's a question about what his limitations will be with the calf injury uh, he sustained uh, in uh, the BC game. Yeah, well, and injuries can be such a story because the Eskimos dealt with so many of them, and the Eskimos are probably as healthy as they've been since the first half of the first game. Whereas, is this the story for the Bombers, where some of the more severe injuries, because I know there's a couple guys for sure that won't play, is this as beat up as the Bombers have been all year? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think most significant in the sense uh, when Matt Nichols is a question mark um, and he's the most outstanding uh, player candidate on your football team, you know, that that's an eye-opener for sure. And uh, obviously uh, players like Mo Leggett and, and Darvin Adams and uh, the status of, of Travis Bond and, um, 
you know, Flanders, I think, got nicked up today in practice. So, yeah, this is probably uh, a little bit, certainly, of adversity for this football team uh, to overcome in this game. But, you know, there's a lot of things uh, you like about this team, and uh, one of them has been the characteristic, the trait they have that, you know, you can't count them out. Just when you think they're overmatched and things aren't going their way or they should lose a game, uh, these guys have been pretty resilient all year, and they've uh, they've found a way. So that's how they ended up uh, with the second-best record in the CFL. Well, and they still got one of the deadliest all-round players in the league. I, I think... You know the 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 best weapon on offense that anybody might have in terms of his ability to run and catch the ball, and that's Andrew Harris, who uh, at the age of thirty, I don't know when this guy is going to slow down. I don't know if he's ever going to show any signs of age, Doug. Whenever I watched him, I thought to myself, this guy is is a load to stop, and I- anything you want him to do, he seems to be able to do at a high level. Yeah, it's kind of like he's at his prime right now, and. Uh... Very multidimensional, very explosive, dynamic player. Um, you know, the thing with running backs, I think when uh, careers end, it's never really, you know, that gradual. I think suddenly, uh, you know, there's usually just one explosive event, and uh, uh, sometimes they don't recover from that. So, but, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a season for the ages. It was almost historic. It, it was in some sense in the, in the terms that he, uh, he broke the record for most receptions. Doug, are you still there? there? Yeah, I still. I I heard some blue oyster cult there. I think for a second. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, you went away, and my radio kicked on. And uh, wow, that was an interesting uh, segue. But uh, as I was saying about Andrew Harris, uh, he had a historic season in the sense he broke the record, obviously for most uh, receptions ever by running back. Came very close to uh, breaking the yardage total, and then obviously as well, he uh, won the. Uh, he was the back of the year in terms of uh, gaining the rushing record in the CFL. So uh, very accomplished guy. Uh, he does much better when uh, Timothy Lee Flanders is, is healthy and in the backfield with him because uh, anytime we employ multiple uh, running threats and receiving threats because Timothy Flanders is capable of doing both, uh, Andrew Harris seems to, to play better and uh, uh, just put on better performances. You know, I, I got to allude to that. Wasn't that the more cowbell song from the, from the famous SNL sketch? Was that, you know, the one with Will uh, Ferrell, yeah, you know more cowbell? Yeah. I think that was the song. I think it was. We got yeah, a little... that, was, uh, that was a radio station. So. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, so the Bombers is definitely going to be more Andrew Harris uh, <laughs> as opposed to, uh, to cowbell on Sunday. Doug Brown joining us on Inside Sports, former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, uh, now an analyst on CGOB. That, that was incredible. What a what a nice little interlude in our interview. We usually find a way to have something entertaining, Doug. Usually it's one of your stories, but uh, today it was your radio. Uh, <laughs> give, give me your, your recollections, and there's a specific game I want to ask you about, but your uh, your recollections as just playoff playoff week. Uh, do, do things change? I mean, the, football has the beauty of every playoff game being an elimination game. Uh, does yeah. does it feel different? Did you prepare different? Did you avoid the temptation to prepare differently? What do you remember about your your playoff weeks in your career? 
I just remember, you know, I think just guys dial in a lot more. Um, they spend a lot more time. I mean, obviously you don't want to treat any regular season game like it's not important, and some of them are obviously pivotal. But for some reason, I think, you know, as a whole, I think football teams uh, get a, a laser-like focus. Um, you know, the the permanence of what is about to happen, the finality of, of what's about to go down, suddenly dawns on a lot of players in your in your locker room and uh you know that tends to pique their interest and really you know get some uh, attention to detail on uh, on these weeks so uh, you know I've I've always been pleasantly surprised you know by uh the few or how there's a, a decrease in, in terms of mental errors and such that can happen uh, during playoff week because guys just really understand the, the permanence of what's about to happen and, uh, you know, how significant, uh, you know, being on top of everything and just going out. And the last thing you want to do is is to, you know, be one of those guys looking through his playbook uh, the day of you know, all you should be focusing on is, uh, you know, just uh, being in prime physical condition and uh, just reacting uh, instinctually on the football field. All right, Doug, I said there was a game I wanted to ask you about. You played in the NFL for a few seasons. You're with Washington, 1999 season, so I guess we're into January of, of 2000 for the playoffs. The uh, The second round, so you guys won a wild card game. You go into Tampa Bay. Okay, right? Okay. Yeah, you beat Detroit. Yeah. You you go into Tampa Bay. You're the three seed. They're the two seed. Now, I'm going to read the score to people, and you can, uh, you can give them your memory of how that one ended. Tampa Bay 14, Washington 13. Yeah, we had a drive. Uh, Brad Johnson was our quarterback. We had a drive to end the game. We had possession of the football as time was expiring. And uh, I wouldn't say we got well within a field goal range, but I believe we were attempting around a 50, 51-yard field goal. Uh, Brett Conway, who was the kicker with Washington at the time, was actually a good buddy of mine. And to this day, uh, after the game, he insists, had he had the opportunity to kick that ball, there was no way he was going to miss it. But unfortunately, uh, uh, Dan Turk, who has uh, unfortunately also as well uh, has deceased, um, uh, he uh, brought back, it was a low snap, and uh, Brad Johnson wasn't able to handle it. I think it skipped maybe off the turf a, a couple times. Brad Johnson wasn't able to uh, corral it, get it down in time, so he jumped up. It was kind of uh, uh, that fire drill situation for your field goal team where uh, all of a sudden your tight ends are out running routes, and it's a desperation play. And I remember he just kind of, you know, they got some heat on him. Uh, they corralled him, and he kind of just chucked it up. And uh, unfortunately, the you know there was no miracle reception and touchdown for us, and and Brett Conway, our kicker, never got the chance to attempt uh, that field goal, and uh, so we lost that game by one. And uh, the worst part of it was uh, Dan Turk was uh, he was so uh, distraught about his snap. Uh, you know, he was on the bus with us going back. Uh, we were going to go back to the to the charter to the flight on the way home, and he actually got off the bus. Uh, with his brother Matt Turk, who was a punter at the time, because he was just so uh, so uh, distraught over, um, you know, just uh, he felt like he let the team down in that moment. Even though no game is ever really won or lost by one play, but um, and unfortunately, a lot of us, you know, he was released going forward, and uh, you know, we never saw him again. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a game <laughs> game you'll never forget in terms of uh, you know fallout 
in terms of circumstances, in terms of how close it was. And uh, Tampa went on uh, to lose the next week to the greatest show on turf, uh, the Rams, who ended up winning the Super Bowl that year. So it's uh, quite quite the story that you picked. D- didn't didn't Dan Turk die of cancer about a year later? Yeah. Jeez, yeah, unbelievable. That's exactly it. Wow. So, and that was his last. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it's tragic story. That was his last professional football moment, right? And uh, you know. It's uh, it's just upsetting that uh, you know he felt like you know his teammates wouldn't uh, still embrace him um, even though there was a mistake there. But you know there's lots of mistakes made in the football game. Uh, it's just that that was the last one in a, a series of them in that matchup. Yeah, wow, incredible story there, Doug. Thanks for uh, joining us tonight. It's always good to talk to you. I, I appreciate you including a little uh, music in the segment. That's going to be expected now. <laughs> next time you're on, and uh, enjoy the game on Sunday. <laughs> Yeah, it should be uh, should be a good one. So uh, I'm pretty uh, pretty excited about this first first playoff game in at Investors Group Field. And like you said, the Bombers match up real well against Edmonton. So uh, depending on the health of Matt Nichols, I think that'll be the determining outcome of the game. But uh, either way, should be uh, should be a marvelous contest. Absolutely. Thanks for checking in, Doug. Doug Brown, former Blue Bomber, now an analyst for their games on our sister station CJOB in Winnipeg. Yeah, quite a story from the playoffs in January of 2000. Dan Turk botches the snap that could have set up the game-winning field goal. Turns out to be his last play in the NFL. He passes away uh, almost a year later of testicular cancer at the age of 38. Tragic story, but uh, certainly uh, appreciate that Doug would, would share that and a game that he remembers. I guess he wish he remembered it differently, but that was a tough loss when he was playing for Washington. It is 7-18. Oilers, or uh, Eskimos and Bombers are on Kissing Country 103.9 Sunday afternoon, 1.30 countdown to kickoff. That game will start at 2.30. This is Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. All right, there, we should find. Can you find the actual sketch? Are those on YouTube? I could probably search around and find it. It's probably out there. We uh, that that was that was a fun one. Doug Brown's radio all of a sudden starts coming through his phone mid-interview, and that was a song that was playing, which, of course, is that one of the 10 greatest SNL sketches of all time? More well, cowbell? Probably in the top five. Will Ferrell? Not top Christopher 10, Walken? top five. There, we got, there's an off-topic topic for the rest of the show. You can text 630-630. Your favorite SNL sketch and or character of all time. For me, that's an easy one. Motivational speaker Matt Foley. Chris Farley. Yep. I am 35 years old, and I live in a van down by the river. Incredible. Hashtag career goals. Yeah, incredible. What else would we have? Church ladies, pretty memorable. Well, Wayne and Garth. There's the one they play at Christmas every year with um, the public radio broadcaster with... 
Oh, the sweaty balls? Sweaty balls. That's what it is. Yes. <laughs> uh, who, uh, Alec Baldwin was the guest. Who were the uh I think Sherry O'Terry was the, uh, was the female was lead. Sherry O'Terry yeah. and uh, what was the woman who was the superstar? Oh, what's her Oh, name? Molly Shannon. Molly Shannon. Yes. I think that's who, who it was. Yeah, they yeah. did a lot of movies together in the early 2000s, late 90s. They were like a yeah, big tandem. Yeah, the NPR radio stuff was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your favorite SNL sketch or character to 630-630. And, of course, our open line is 780-496-0063. Uh, Trucker Dave writing in again. He says, hey, Reed, your music knowledge is probably as good as your sports. Hysteria is a great album, which was released the same year as my favorite album on Monday Floodland by the Sisters of Mercy, now 30 years old. All right, well, I'll have to listen to that. Trucker Dave says, back to hockey. I don't see Slepeshev being here next year. He's too fragile. I'm not a fan, and I see Yamamoto pushing him aside. And then he also says, I miss Yamamoto, LOL. Well, I, I, ideally, Yamamoto and Puglia-Yarvi are both here next season, and, and hopefully that relieves some of the stress of a, a missing right winger that the Oilers currently have, though I don't think there's anything wrong with having Dreisaitl on the right side with McDavid. At the t- for the time being. I got a minute here for uh, Matt from Section O before I get a break from the news. Hello, Matt. How you doing? Doing well. Can you hear me, Can you hear me okay? Go, you got a minute. I got a minute. I only need 56 seconds to say what I'm going to say next is basically that interview with Doug Brown. Fantastic interview, just driving out here. I was just listening to you and just got to say that I am excited for this playoff game on Sunday. I think we have a real shot at getting to the West Final. The Bombers are nothing, okay? Depending on the play of Matt Nichols, depending on the play of Andrew Harrison, I think Darvin Adams has already been ruled out. So you know what? It's going to be a fantastic game on Sunday, and I look forward, you can quote me, I look forward to seeing the Calgary Stampeders next week. So you can put that one down on paper. That's how cocky I am going into this game. It's going to be fantastic. I'm ready. I hope the entire city is ready to tune in. It's going to be great. Bring on Calgary. Winnipeg is nothing. And let's go, Esks, go. Matt from Section O gets an A-plus for that call. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. Let it go. What else we got here? Oh, I think that was the end. Well, that was that's all they that's have. all it was. <laughs> that's but that great. line is the takeaway. Uh, Christopher Walken, and then Will Farrell with the enthusiastic cowbell. That's awesome. Inside Sports on six thirty, Chad. Though we have an off-topic topic tonight. You can text six thirty six thirty. Your favorite Saturday Night Live sketch or character? Couple votes for Toots is the driving cat. No, that was good. Remember the fake pause on the steering wheel? Cat would always crash. Uh, this texture says, uh, it's Pat, male or female. That's pretty good. Ren says, I'm not sure how to make this PG, but the Justin Timberlake song, 
I'm going to uh, make it PG. I think I can say this, junk in a box. Yeah. Is that close enough? Yeah, blank in a box. Gives the idea. Yeah. That was pretty funny. Yeah. So still people to, the, to this day on Halloween dress up as those two characters. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember this Christopher Walken sketch. Christopher Walken and the plants with the googly eyes. It made me buy a fake plant and glue googly eyes on it, and I have it on my desk at work. I don't remember that one. I, I don't love either. The, you know the Walken ones I love are the Continental. Mm, yes. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. It, I don't know if they would. I don't know, given the current climate with celebrities and some of the um, accusations and admissions. Yes. If they would do that today, given the uh, spirit of that sketch. But oh, I, it was I a different that, time. I always thought that was a funny character. Uh, this uh, texture says the Coneheads Halloween sketch where they gave out scrambled eggs and a six pack of beer. An oldie, but still funny. That is a classic. Coneheads were in the 70s, weren't they? Late seventies, early eighties. Well, it was Dan Aykroyd, right? So and Jane Curtin, right? Yes, yeah. yes. All right, got a few texts uh, coming in. There we go. Text six thirty six thirty. The phone number seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. I watched some of the uh, SNL on the, this past weekend with Larry David. Did you watch it, Kellen? Uh no, I missed I prob- that one. I probably can't say these jokes, but there was quite a funny sketch about him being a guy who wrote commercials and public service announcements. And they were showing some of his older PSAs, which had language that is now politically incorrect. And there was a great joke in in Weekend Update about um, if people saw it, you'll remember it. I, I don't think I can say it. But the, the setup was the New York City subway has been voted the best in North America. And then the punchline was was who who voted at that. It was quite funny. Adam Sandler as Opera Man. Eddie Murphy as Buckwheat. Getting a couple of mentions. Absolutely. Some great stuff on that show. Still still some good. I, I, think, uh, I think Kate McKinnon's my favorite uh, performer on there now. Oh, she's, she's been phenomenal. She's very funny. The past two comedic movies that I've seen in theaters, I uh, can't remember the first one, but the second one was Office Christmas Party last year at Christmas. And that movie was hilarious. And she was just the breakout star of that movie. Yeah, she's very funny for sure. All right. Oh, caveman. <laughs> Unfrozen caveman lawyer. That was uh, Phil Hartman, wasn't it? I'm just a caveman. I don't understand. It was pretty good. All right. You can text 630-630. Maybe we'll get to some of those uh, as we move along tonight. We'll get to uh, Dave Maloney uh, after the break. Kellen, we'll get him on the line. Former New York Ranger, now uh, an analyst for uh, MSG Network. Eskimos, of course, getting ready to go up against the Bombers. That means you got to stop Andrew Harris. Here's Jason Moss. So when you control the line of scrimmage, that's what it comes down to. He, he's not going to run through a wall if, unless it's not, you know, unless it's there. So I mean, unless holes are there. So we've got it when the, he's corralled. I know the first game we played against them, they had 38 minutes of time possession, they had, or however many, it seemed like a lot, a lot of first downs, and they, we had a lot of missed tackles playing against them. So he's a great back. I think, uh, you know, he, he does have a tendency to do that to every defense. So we have to be on our game when we tackle and gang tackle and get after the ball. So, you know, our D-line has to control the line of scrimmage against them at the end of the day. I know we had some yards in the second meeting, but did you feel your defense attacked them better? Yeah, I think we played ultimately a better football game in all three phases against him the last time we played him. So we've got to continue that. Um, you know, I know the last time we played them, uh, field position was not great. They missed some field goals early 
in that game and kept us in a bad field positions the whole night, uh, first first half for sure. So um, at the end of the day, you know, there's things that we can control and, and we need to do that. And that's, again, the, the ball, ball security, uh, controlling the line of scrimmage, being physical with that, knowing our game plan in and out so we can play fast. All right, that is head coach Jason Moss, and absolutely stopping Andrew Harris going to be big for that team. But the Eskimos pretty healthy. Riley's been playing great. You got Walker, you got Zilstra. Bowman's been looking better the last two or three weeks. C.J. Gable has made a huge difference at running back, not just running the ball, but also blocking, also catching passes. So good, you know, uh, from getting like five carries to like 20 carries a game is a big difference because it lets me uh, get in my groove and let me uh, see the field and everything and it, it gets me more comfortable when I'm running the ball it makes me make the plays more better. All right, that's C.J. Gable. NHL action tonight late in the third period. Florida is up 4-1 on Buffalo. About eight minutes left in the third in Toronto. The Maple Leafs and Bruins are tied 1-1. Capitals now up 4-1 on the Penguins with about two minutes left. The Blue Jackets have beaten, or pardon me, the Hurricanes have beaten the Blue Jackets 3-1. Early in the second period, Dallas already up 3-0 on the New York Islanders. Jets and Golden Knights will start in about an hour. And earlier today in Sweden, it was the Senators getting by the Avalanche 4-3. Oilers and Rangers on this station tomorrow. We'll have Dave Maloney for a preview coming up in a few minutes. Some more texts coming into 630-630. Your favorite SNL sketch or character. I'm not going to be able to read all of these guys, but somebody just wrote in Basimatic. Oh, I'm surprised it, it took this long, and I didn't think about it. The Sean Connery character by Daryl Hammond on Celebrity Jeopardy. Uh, absolutely classic. And uh, this texture says, Hey, guys, Chris Farley with Patrick Swayze as Chippendale Daniers, dancers. Genius. Absolutely. That was a beauty. We're back with Dave Maloney to tell you how the New York Rangers are doing. Like the Oilers, they started poorly and are doing better now. Inside Sports on Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Enjoy a cold craft beer or a great glass of bourbon with modern soul food and other tasty treats at Northern Chicken, 10704 124th Street. Uh, you know, we got uh, Eskimos and Oilers both playing on Sunday. Why not get some takeout from Northern Chicken? Sit down, watch the games, listen on Chad and Kissin'. That's not a bad idea. I got Northern Chicken for takeout uh, for the uh, Eskimos' uh, final game of the season there in Saskatchewan. Love the Northern Chicken, 10704, 124th Street. Oilers and Rangers tomorrow. Dave Maloney follows the Rangers for MSG, used to play for the team. Dave, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. We're actually here on the East Coast. It almost feels like winter. The temperature's dropped, and... Uh... You know, I always like it though people say it's like hockey weather, but you know what? We were down in Florida last week, and that weather's okay for hockey too. Yeah, that's that's right. It, the the locales you get to visit as a broadcaster are a little different than where you got to go as a player, right? Because I think when you played, you could only yeah. go to California. You didn't get Florida and Texas and all those other places. <laughs> well, it was that stopped to Los Angeles, and that was about it. But anyway, it's all uh, all fun, but it is. Uh, 
It'll be fun to see Edmonton up close and personal tomorrow from a Rangers standpoint, that's for sure. Well, you know, the Oilers have a couple of uh, three-on-three overtime wins this week. I know the Rangers have bagged a couple of overtime wins here as, as they've got a bit of a win streak going. We, we've seen it now for, uh, you know, what, what is it, two or three years for three-on-three overtime, Dave. Um, maybe give me your your thoughts when they first brought it in and, and now your impressions of it that, that we've seen it for a couple of years. Well, I, I do like uh, I, I like the fact that the game can be decided with you know hockey plays. I mean, uh, I've never been a big fan of the shootout. I thought that became a bit of a, a specialist event. Uh, but you're in the business of entertaining, I suppose. And the three on three is uh, certainly a dynamic. I mean, it, it looks to me now that we're what are we three years into three on three or four, whatever we're into it, that there's a little more patience. Um, being shown, not, you know, the willingness to know that once you turn the puck over, there's a good chance you're going to pay a significant price. And I've also noticed, too, that, you know, they're not at all compelled to get into the offensive zone if they've got to bring the puck back out and recycle and allow, allow a line, you know, a body change. That seems to be something, too. But, boy, oh, boy, when that puck turns over or a shot is missed on net, it creates a whole new dynamic because then the heat gets turned up. So, by and large, I, I, I think it's fun. It's good stuff. Yeah, you know, I do our post-game show with Rob Brown, and we were talking after the last couple of Oilers games that it doesn't really start until the first shot is missed, and then it can get a yeah. get pretty pretty frantic. You know, I, I want to ask you your opinion. As a former defenseman, and the Oilers have mm-hmm. obviously the high-powered duo of McDavid and Dreisaitl, that they can put out there in overtime. Right. Rob has said if right. he were coaching against the Oilers in overtime, he would put out two defensemen. Do you think? What do you think of that tactic? Do you think a coach would ever do it? Go one forward and and two D in overtime? Well, listen, McDavid might be the most dynamic open ice player in the league. So, I think when you're talking about it, when you're watching Edmonton play. In that situation, uh, I mean, I, I talked to uh, Steve Camper and, and Kevin Shattenkirk and a couple guys today, and they're like, you know, basically we're just going to start skating forward back, you know, right away as soon as he gets the puck. So I, I think that the the dynamic, because it's McDavid, uh, you, I don't know what you would do. I mean, you know, the poor kid uh, Gibbons last night, he just got caught. There's 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 no way to defend that. There's no way. So, um, so in the meantime, you have to hope that, uh, you know, so I, I do think it's a little bit skewed because I, I, I'm not sure there's a more dynamic player in that situation again than Connor McDavid. Yeah. Dave Maloney joining us on Inside Sports, former New York Rangers defenseman, now a broadcaster for MSG. Two teams set to go at it here. Um you know, the Oilers had a, had a poor start to the season, and they're trying to recover. And I was looking back at, at what the Rangers have done. One, five, and two out of the gate, and then six and two since then. So they've scratched it up uh-huh. to eight, seven, and two for the season. Is it that simple, Dave, to sort of cut it in half? Or, or where was the point maybe where something changed here for the Rangers and, and things became a little more positive? Uh, it was a week ago uh, Wednesday night in Tampa. The Rangers are getting there. They scrambled on a, a, a 6-4 come-from-behind win against Vegas, where really, um, for two periods, Vegas was quicker. They were uh, they looked younger. They looked more um, aggressive. 
And then David Perron took two penalties uh, on the same sequence, same shift. The Rangers went to work in the power play and they found a way to win. So you get that win. But more importantly, they go into Tampa and Tampa hanging the hell with the way they play. Unless you pay attention, uh, you could have got blown out in that building very easily. And the Rangers played a game that dropped from the sky from fundamentally, you know, you, you hadn't seen that game all season long. They just fundamentally, they were putting their own in, coming to cost of offense, because Vasilevsky had to be tremendous. They generated 35 shots, and it was just, it was a night and day difference in a group of guys. And what you're hearing and what they're saying is, Listen, they knew the coach. There was all kinds of rumors about uh, Vino, um, and they knew that if they got blitzed in Tampa, that there might be some some things happen. And it's funny they turned around and played a game, and they they played basically that type of game since, and have been a team that deserves to be on a streak where they've won five in a row. Kevin Shattenkirk has 16 points in 17 games. I don't care what era it, it was, 60s, 80s, modern day. You have a defenseman around a point a game, huge contribution. Obviously, that was a big addition for the Rangers in the offseason as well. Tell me a little bit about how Shattenkirk has been racking up those points and what he's uh, meant to the Rangers here. Well, I have uh, I've known Kevin for quite some time. I actually coached him when he was younger, and and. So I've a bit of a bias to him, and and he's a tremendous offensive um, threat. I mean, he he. The thing is, Kevin has to pay attention to the other side of the ring too, and I think what happened early, it, it, the Rangers were his destination of choice. Uh, he had that option, and uh, he decided he wanted to come home to play. And I'm not so sure that there wasn't a lot of things in that to try and prove, you know, that he needed to be somebody that really he he might not be. That's a guy guy that he has to not let the mistakes uh, that he makes defensively affect his offensive game and and, and try and overcome everything. And I think he's had kind of a comfort strike. So um, he's been a real good addition. And he's found his stride here. It looks like they found a little magic playing with Brady Shea as his partner. He's a, really a good, young, solid player that can get around the ice. And uh, so Kevin's been good. He's been good. Um, he just seems to be a little more comfortable uh, playing here. And the Rangers are better served with the comfort level that he seems to have found. Tell me about coaching him. How how long ago was that? Uh, you know how 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 old was he? Did you already see some pro potential? Let me know about uh, how you got to know him. Yeah, he he was on a, a high school prep team here that I was involved with, helping out. That actually, my boys played, uh, and uh, yeah, at fourteen, fourteen, fifteen, you could tell there was there was something there. He. But it's funny, you know, I, I, I told him today, I had a call in the booth a couple of weeks ago um, that I prefaced that after he turned the puck over for the fourth time at the offensive blue line, I said, I love this kid. I've had him, known him a long time, but if he turns the puck over in the neutral zone, I'm going to go down and strangle him. So he, uh, I told him that story, uh, you know, today, and we have a relationship that he knows that I know that he has to pay attention defensively, but he can serve create uh, an awful lot of things uh, when you're going up ice. And he's a tremendous young man. 
Um, I have a lot of, uh, you know, a bit of a, a soft spot for him. But he still has to figure out him, too. Yeah. Well, he's fun to watch. I expect a good game here coming up tomorrow. Two teams playing a little better than they were earlier on in the season. Dave, always appreciate your perspective. Thanks for making time for us here on 630 Ched, and enjoy the game. Yeah, well, I'll enjoy it. It's, it should be fun to see uh, uh, Dreisaitl and McDavid and that whole gang up close. And uh, looking forward to it. Let's stay in touch. That is Dave Maloney checking in from the MSG Network in New York, television analyst on Rangers broadcast, and of course, he used to play for the team. Oilers and Rangers tomorrow, both teams started poorly. The Oilers have now won a couple in a row, and of course, the Rangers have won five straight, and Dave was telling you the uh, moment it sort of turned around for them, so that'll be a fun one to watch tomorrow. And of course, Jesse Pulajarvi up from the farm will play for the Oilers in that one. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. Just responsibility on the ice. It's uh, when you're an offensive player uh, at a young age, you see it with a, a lot of first-round picks. Um, you tend to not be as sharp defensively as you need to be. And uh, we've worked with him. We've talked to him about those situations. And um, all indications are he's working hard to clean that part up. Um, you know, if you don't have an impact on the game offensively on any given night, you still have responsibilities um, uh, to contribute uh, all over the rink. And that's not just for Jesse. That goes right from Connor all the way down. And uh, um, young players have to learn that. Expect Pugliarvi to jump in on the second line with Nugent Hopkins and Lucic. Uh, no, uh, Anton Slepeshev has been placed on injured reserve, and Drake Kajula not going to be available this weekend either. Oilers and Rangers, face-off show, 9.30 tomorrow morning, play-by-play at 11 here on 6.30 Chet. Sunday is a busy one for Chorus Radio on Kissin' Country 103.9 at 1.30. The countdown to kickoff, and then the Eskimos at Bombers, Morley and Dave will have the call at 2.30. That's on Kissin' Country 103.9. At 3.30 here on 6.30 Chet, face-off show for Oilers and Capitals. The game will start at 5. A lot to look forward to sports-wise this weekend. And, of course, tomorrow at 5, Claire Drake Arena. The celebration for Claire Drake. He's going into the Hockey Hall of Fame on Monday. You heard Bill Moores talking about that tonight. We also had Doug Brown, Dave Maloney on the show. Thanks to everybody who called and texted. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. The studio producer is Kellen Kennedy. My name is Reed Wilkins. Hope you have a great weekend. Take care. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.